Hello, everybody, and welcome to On the Rocks from Y Yoga. We are back to our usual roles, as in I'm in the driving seat where I'm most comfortable. And with me in Brussels, we have Robbie. Hey, everyone. And we have Colin. Hello, everybody. And over across the pond in America, we have Maria. Hello. It's really nice to see you again, Maria. And I am delighted that you can join us to talk about harmony. I would like to open with quoting a song from the 1970s. And okay, it's from the 1970s, so you guys might not remember it, but it is still famous. I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. Do you remember that one? No. Okay. You have to sing it. <laughs> Don't tempt me. Um, I'd like to build the world a home <laughs> and furnish it with love, grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. Today's topic is harmony, and I think it's wonderful that we have a musician with us, Maria. Given that you are the musician, how would you define harmony? And you can give us a musical answer as well as a yogic answer, if that's possible. I do definitely have the concept of harmony dear to me as a musician. I think about it quite a lot. I guess outside of musical terms, because the concepts are a little bit different, I would define harmony as the relationships between individual parts of a system that are somehow working together. I think the word harmony to me implies a sense of agreement or something that is pleasing or it's working really well. You can have harmony, for example, in your home or in your family, in your workplace. So within relationships with others. I think you can also find harmony in your inner landscape. But there is that concept of harmony being a system where all the people or all the parts of the system are in agreement. Whereas within a musical context, it kind of takes it down a notch. It's not necessarily about agreement. It's just about individual notes that are sounding together in some way. And all of the relationships and how these different chords, I suppose, or these different notes that are sounding together, work together for a purpose, whether that is, you know, to create context for the song or create a certain emotion or a feeling tone. Yeah, it's not necessarily about the agreement or the pleasing nature of it, although harmony can be harmonious, in which case it does take on that sort of, like it's somehow joyful or pleasing. I think you can also have dissonant harmonies in music, but we can maybe talk more about dissonance <laughs> later. <laughs> Even with dissonant harmonies in music, everybody working together, all the notes working together are working towards a particular goal. And so in musical harmony, it's to give an impression. Maybe it's disharmony, maybe it's a little bit clashing, but that's intentional. As you said, the parts of a system working together in, in harmony, presumably there's also the idea that they're also working for a particular goal or a particular outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that then the outcome is so subjective too. like something that sounds harmonious to me might sound quite dissonant to you. And it's just about like, what is the context, you know, that you've brought to the equation within your life and where you've been and where you come from. And so I think it is quite a subjective thing 
What is harmony? In the non-musical context, then I guess that subjectivity still plays out, right? So I might go to your house and see what your dog does and find that not harmonious. You would definitely come to my house and decide that how my dog behaves is necessarily <laughs> harmonious. What's the opposite of harmony? Because of, as you've said, sort of clashing sounds in music can still be harmony. Can we take that to the, to the other definition of harmony? What, what's the opposite of harmony in a non-musical term? I would say if we take the word harmony to mean somehow that things are in agreement, then I suppose disagreement could be an opposite to harmony or even going further toward chaos or, you know, where the system just doesn't seem to be working. It's, you could think in terms of imbalance too, where there's some sort of imbalance that's creating a sense that it's not quite right. Whereas with harmony, like I feel like things are just buzzing, things are resounding, things are, are working well. Opposite of that is it's just not working. Right. Things not right. Colin, many yogis are on an eternal quest for harmony because we want things to work in our lives. We want them to work together. How does that affect us? And how do we know what is harmonious and, and, and what just appears to be harmony? It took me quite some time to, to think about it, to really grasp it even. And agree with Maria with the idea that at least we, ha we are in harmony, that uh, <laughs> harmonies are about relationships ultimately. So the eternal quest for harmony that we, I think we all are looking for that, whether we are yogis or non-yogis, as Maria mentioned, our harmonies are about relationships between whether it's individual or an individual in a group, or as Maria mentioned, also harmonies can be within ourselves, but still it's going to be finding that place where things work together. It's a little bit like in music, things are in tune or works that kind of like um, creates a, a nice surrounding. I found it interesting to, as I was working on the podcast that there are so many musical terms when we talk about harmonies we can resonate with something we can be in tune with something and i found that it is interesting that music is so close to what to the term of harmony when we talk about it i also found interesting that um harmonies and, and maria touched a little bit about it also that harmonies are not necessarily positive it can be consonant dissonant and i think it's about the same in in the quest that we have and i think we all we're all looking for a place where we're going to feel that that equanimity, that uh, that uh, sense of peace. That's a little bit what I what I see when when we talk about harmony. That that place, whether it's within ourselves, that we can find a, a yeah inner peace, inner quietness, and it can be also with others. So I think we all have that that hope, that goal mm -hmm. in life. How it affects us, I guess it's. Marie also the almost answered the question. I think it's going to be depending on all of us and our culture. I think same as in music, some harmonies that we know in the West are completely different or perceived differently in uh, in other cultures. And for example, when I studied the sound, it was there are plenty of sound that we interpret as Westerners that we interpret in some ways, or that that's going to be pleasing for us. Mm -hmm. That if you're in Asia or in, 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 even in the Arabic world, for example, the music is conceived in a different way that those same sounds are going are gonna to be taken in a completely different way. How this is going to affect us, I guess it first depends on the 
if we talk about in a world, our world, that's one of the, the, the first thing. I think one of the easiest way that we can see how it affects us, it's where we feel that we're not in tune, that we basically, that we, that we are suffering. And I think that's, that's also one of the teachings, I think that, that well, at least the goal, one of the goal in yoga, and we talked about it in a previous podcast also, it's, it was that we're trying to be free of suffering. And I think one of those elements of disharmony, whatever chaos, whatever we want to call it, is that we start to suffer. And from the moment we start to suffer, and then it means that there is a probably a lack of harmony or an absence of harmony. And we're gonna we're gonna start to, to look for something as soon as we suffer. I think it's a it's a spontaneous reaction to it that we are looking for something to to balance that, to mm-hmm. to find evenness, to come back to that place. If there's a if there's a disharmonious element inside or outside, we have two options, right? We either uh, we can either try to remove that sound or remove that thing, or we can try to find something else that will balance with it. It's not necessarily about taking something away, but we might need to add something in order to harmonize. It's going to affect us differently if we talk about our inner harmony or mm-hmm. our outer harmony. I think in, in a more concrete way, as we feel chaotic or if we if we lose this connection between our mind, for example, if we talk in, more in, in a yogic way, our mind and our body, mm-hmm. and eventually our bigger self, higher self, will probably start to judge ourselves. To it's probably going to start to to be in a place where you where you we tend to see more things more negatively. Whereas when we can find again, when we can maybe meditate or find those tools to walk towards harmony, we'll probably be able to take a little bit more distance, a little bit more detachment towards that, a little bit more acceptance. And I think it it works the same if we talk about us in a in a broader context, whether it's with the world, the planet, the universe. It's affecting us in a way that we tend to forget about this oneness, this uh, this. Uh, wholeness that we all are mm-hmm. but rather than seeing beyond that duality being reminded that that we all one that we all a big uh, group or a, yep. a collection of, of individual or beings whatever it, it it might be for any of us and i think we all experience that in a way that we know naturally we we know how it feels to be harmonious or at least some people believe that i think if it's not something that we necessarily know from birth, or I personally don't have this answer, but I think we, when we, when it happens, we all experience at least once in our life a moment where things were like this, and where I think if you if you ever worked in a in a team, I think we all lived a moment where things were flawless, where you didn't talk to each other, didn't need to talk to each other to have the work done. When everything, even for yourself, that moment of bliss that you could. Basically, you felt that everything was right, as Maria mentioned, that everything was right, everything was perfect, even though you know that outside that moment, maybe it's not, but there was a, a moment of bliss also to come back to Maria. I'm coming back a lot to her today. But I think she also mentioned in the episode about Dharma that she had that experience in her car, that she she felt yeah. that everything was perfect at that moment. And those are the moments to me, at least, where we feel harmony. So we know what it is. And from that point, we can start to go back to it or we can seek for it again. Robbie, what's your idea of harmony? And I presume that given your love of nature, 
you see a lot of harmony in nature, even though there are up and downs and and oppositions and、mm-hmm. so on. My idea about harmony—it's about finding a, a place, a state where you feel alive. You feel that if you want to use the word soul, that it's dancing. That you feel content, happy. That you feel that you're in the right place. That you're in the right moment. You're surrounded by the right people. You're doing the right thing in life. You're at the right age, so on and so forth. So it's 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 what Marie and Colin said that all those elements come together in a harmonious way, and we can use the word synergy, and they create that synergy as these elements combine. As these elements fuse and merge, something amazing. You create a sparkle, a firework, and then you're just in that blissful state. And yeah, maybe you don't want to use the word harmony, but it just feels that everything is right, everything is smooth, everything is as it should be. You don't want to be anywhere else. You're just happy where you are. There's no desire. There's no belonging. Yeah, you could say that it's 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 a state that sometimes you look for in yoga, meditation. It's state where you're you just simply exist. You just simply are. Okay. No nature. Um, maybe later. Well, nature is a good teacher, of course. <laughs> But、um, of course, the outer nature is just a simple representation, a manifestation of 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 that maybe harmony that we can、um, also create internally.、Mm-hmm. Nature could be a great inspiration teacher. Of course, the colors, the leaves, the trees, the animals, see mountains, hills. We can ignite something within us that fired that there's something bigger than us. There's a force. There's intelligence. Maybe just a good reminder about that. And for me, in nature,、um, and I just watched a nature program last night. You know, there are cycles. There's death. There's birth. There are things that, as humans, we might see as unpleasant or painful, or maybe even bring suffering. But as a whole, nature is in harmony and works beautifully. Even though there seem to be these individual、mm. pieces or events that, from one perspective, might look disharmonious. And Maria, that kind of brings us to the idea of. Is harmony some kind of state of balance? Do you see a difference in in harmony and balance? Can we compare them? Can we contrast them? For sure, balance and harmony are of the same sort of broad definition of something that's working well. Harmony, to me, though, is maybe one step further. Where if a system is in balance, it can be kind of neutral, like. Okay, things are just、yep. working. It's fine. It's just humming along. But when I add the concept of harmony, then it's like really working. Or, like Ravi said, your soul is dancing. Or you know, there's this extra quality of something that is joyful and pleasant. Given that you are a musician, and also remembering some of the projects that you were that you were telling us about the last time we spoke to you. Does your musicality and that side of your life and your work does it reflect on how you think about or work towards harmony in other aspects of your life, like the inner life or in your yogic pursuits? I think that we strive for balance in various parts of our life, and、mm-hmm. we strive for balance in order that we can thrive in our life. And I think that the thriving element is more the harmony. Versus, like, I can balance my work and my life. I can balance enough time to rest and recharge. 
I can balance my diet. I can balance, you know, the money flow. I can balance all of these parts in order that my life will be kind of humming along in harmony. And I think it's definitely also possible to define balance and harmony in musical terms and maybe find some interesting meanings there too, where if I'm singing in a choir, for example, the balance to me would be more what are the individual voices contributing in terms of volume? Like how loud is each voice? Yeah. And maybe if, if my voice is extremely loud it by its nature and I'm singing with a group of people that aren't as loud, I'm probably going to have to tone it down a little bit so that everybody can be heard and every part can be heard within this choir versus the harmony then would be the actual notes or the elements or the viewpoints, I guess, the, these notes that are being brought to the table and how they interact and how they reflect one another. For sure, music or the concept of harmony and balance in music has affected how I think of harmony and balance in my life. Um, they are two slightly different concepts, but for sure of the same same design. Can I just bounce back on the sure. harmony balance? Yeah. For like, because I think overall you, you gave a great definition, Maria. It's just to me also what makes the difference between harmony and balance is balance is going to even each other. The individual in a balancing mode are going to even each other while in harmony, you can be very different, but still work together. So you can, you could have in the example, you could have a very loud voice. If you could find somebody that you would, you would work harmoniously with, you don't need to tone down. You can, work that together rather than having to even each other. Well, at least that's to me a little bit the difference that I would make between the two. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I I sort of wonder, I think in order to do that well and do it musically or in life, um, there has to be some awareness, right? I'm I'm reminded of um of the movie Sister Act. Um, <laughs> where where somebody is is basically taking a choir that is so unharmonious and doesn't work together very well um, and one of the one of the nuns really does have a very high and very loud voice but she's totally not aware of it and she has to be brought to that awareness and then uh, and then work on bringing her volume down um, as well as singing like an octave lower most of the time perhaps perhaps the element that we want to bring in here is if we're going to make things harmonious musically or in life, there needs to be a certain amount of awareness. I may not be aware. Um, I be I may be looking for somebody to harmonize with me when in fact, if I was more aware, I could adjust myself in order to harmonize with you. No, I think that's a great point. Both, both of you. Yeah. I think that for sure there is an, a, an element of awareness that needs to be present and also an awareness of the goal. Like, what are we trying to achieve and how can I work with you in the best way so that, yeah, as Colin says, maybe we're not looking for a perfect balance with like how loud our voices are or how we're being heard, but at least I have enough awareness and enough presence to be able to listen when I need to listen and to speak up when I need to speak up and knowing there are some people that I work really well together and maybe that's a place where I can speak up some more and and we can have this great harmony just even as our essence of human beings coming together. But with some others, maybe I don't work naturally quite as harmoniously. And so I'm altering how my balance or how I'm heard or, you know, mm. 
there are different systems that require different balance in order to find harmony. And so I think awareness for sure is key to figure that out. In seeking harmony in life, it's going to be easier to adjust your own tone rather than try to get somebody else to adjust theirs. Let's bring in another métier that we have around the table, <laughs> which is Colin, the architect. Can harmony be represented in architecture? And has architecture taught you anything about harmony? I, w- I would say I would answer yes. I want to answer yes. Um, Good. I also believe that the definition that I gained through architecture might be a little bit common points in the idea that you want to have all the elements working together. It is, yeah, that's probably the common point that I have. But because of the of the nature of architecture, which which is very physical, I mean, like it's very mm-hmm. present. It's it's a material media. You need to build it. I see the 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 yeah, the common ground of the harmony that we are talking about in architecture. I also see the limitation of architecture. And I know that some philosopher in the past just listed all in all the arts, the one that were the most prone to philosophy and architecture. Some of them believe that it was the most philosophical form of art because it's the one we are constantly in contact with. Hmm. And others consider that it was the least because it is so material that it is almost impossible to to be lyrical. And in that, in that list, at least, I think the most uh, philosophical form of art, if I remember well, was poetry. Because you only need words. You don't even need the instrument of music. You just need to speak. To Sorry. answer you more your question about architecture, I think, and that's going to be a, maybe a, a little bit more uh, history of architecture. I think in the past... There were some some currents in architecture that were that developed that aspect of harmony a little bit more than others, and that's also kind of like even though I made some research, but I'm going to also use a little bit of my memory. I think it's in, in the 19th century. You had Gesamtkunstwerk. Mm-hmm. I hope I pronounce it well, which basically means the total artwork, and that was a a current in architecture that was aiming to having a complete art piece so the architect would consider would work on literally everything whether it's the the walls the building the space the furniture the door handles even the cutlery sometimes the garden and he would work on everything together sometimes with other people other artists to do that it started in germany with uh, with some architects also you have some um some architect in in uh, in Great Britain also, but you also have uh, Art Nouveau. Yes, in I was going to say there are wonderful local examples. Exactly, that you in, can in still Brussels see you here. have some masterpieces also. Whether it's Art Nouveau with uh, with Victor Horta, mm-hmm. but you also have the Palais Stockle in uh, in Odergem, if I'm not mistaken, which yeah. is uh, which unfortunately we can't visit, but has been completely designed by an Austrian architect, where where, where all the walls were decorated by Klimt, all the furniture has been custom made for that. And in that sense, I think harmony, it's my idea of harmony in architecture. It's this idea that as an architect, and I think it's it's harder nowadays to, to design literally everything unless you have very wealthy clients. But it's to me this idea that you can think of everything and that you, to me at least, put the person or put the individual in the center. In my experience, the buildings that I've lived the most harmoniously were the building that I was considered as a human being and I was taking in and I was part of the building as much as the 
building was part of me in a mm -hmm. way. And suddenly it transcends your the materiality that that I talked earlier. It becomes almost a philosophical experience or a spiritual experience. For those who are interested, I highly recommend, for example, to me, one of those buildings that had the most impact on me mentally and, and spiritually. I think the, the Jewish Museum in Berlin mm -hmm. is one of those by Daniel Libeskind, Peter Zumthor also in Köln, mm -hmm. a, a wonderful museum where it looks as if everything was at its place. Yeah. And this is an incredible feeling when you when you experience it, because it, it's more than just words. Suddenly it's, it's become you part of, of the experience. That's all also about the relationship, because suddenly you have a relationship with the building. And that's what's to me also, that's what I learned from architecture. So it's, we, we come back to the relationship to how you communicate, how you walk through those buildings and, and all the, the, the emotion that it brings you. And there's this feeling of that you belong there, that mm -hmm. everything belongs. And if you are in Brussels, listener, then you can actually go inside the Victor Horta house and you will see the inside, the outside, the furniture, the garden. He has done everything. And some of the sort of harmonious words that come to mind when I think about that sort of beauty, flow, balance, inquisitiveness, playfulness, presence. It's a wonderful place to go and see some architectural harmony. There's a conjunction between architecture and spirituality where also we might find harmony, or at least where people think about harmony, and that's religious architecture, temples, retreats. I'm thinking of you know the Buddhists and Zen gardens. I'm also thinking about other temples where there's definitely this idea that you want to give an impression of harmony and peace. That's another word that I think might apply to harmony from 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 time to time mm -hmm. in order to be able to help the material take you to the spiritual it is true i think it depends of after that it's going to be at least in the in the range of of religious building i think they all that they are very different and it's true that the buddhist temples or the i would say overall in europe or the western civilization overall and the the, the religion i think probably the roman architecture for me is closer to what you're talking about because mm. it was there is an element of protection also it's it's uh, there is this element of you have the thickness of the wall you have the usually everything was really simple shape because it was the technology at the time that was only allowing a certain yeah certain shapes or certain certain forms whereas for example gothic architecture has a completely different sense and it, it is true that you have this connection to God, if you, well, I guess at that time you had no, not much choice about whether or not you wanted to believe in that, but you had this connection with a higher because everything in Gothic architecture is designed for you to look up, to to, yep. to feel small. To feel small, yeah. And uh, and to feel also kind of like scared. You have all those gargoyles, the, the, <laughs> the stones that are kind of like scary for that time if you put yourself in the shoes of the people at that time. So in a more... Eastern point of view, I think, for example, Japanese temples and all those things, it is true that you have this sense of harmony because also there is a connection with nature. There is also this element of of time that didn't exist in Europe, that the temples were destroyed every on a, on a regular basis and mm -hmm. rebuilt. So I have the, the materials also that were more natural or more degradable 
that they were decaying with the time. Yeah. So it's, um, I think you, you're right that it, it's definitely exists a relationship between, you can have a sense of harmony of, of inner peace probably more with some religious buildings. Yeah. I think after that, it depends on the religion and, and the yeah. location and culture. And of course, the other wonderful example of harmony, at least in interior architecture, is the White Yoga Studio. I think it's the surroundings, but it's also the people and the team and the intention that people come with when they come to the studio, which brings us to your métier um, now, Robbie, which is um, yoga. How is harmony represented in yoga? And what has yoga taught you about harmony? Yoga taught a lot of things about harmony. I learned a lot through the practice of yoga. And we talked about the purpose of yoga earlier on. And um, of course, we look for some definitions. And we said, yoga is basically the art of bringing elements together. We can also add another piece here. So bringing elements together in a way that you create harmony. And then in that sense, we can say that yoga is the art and science of bringing pieces together in a harmonious way. Mm -hmm. so that you achieve that state. It can be a mental or physical state or spiritual state. I also find it important to um, look at the other aspect, not just talking about harmony when it comes to yoga, but yoga is also the art and science and also the study of this harmony in balance because we can't push that aside because we need to emphasize wholeness. And that, that's why I think it's important to special for us yogis to really, if you want to use the word shadow, to look at the shadow side, imbalance, tension, to look at where we find imbalance, where something is out of balance, bring that to surface. And a lot of these imbalances are unconscious. And with time, with practice, a lot of these unconscious layers can be brought to surface. So for me, yoga is, is all about that, bringing the unconscious to conscious. And a lot of times, those are the layers that sometimes, when healed, when repaired, sometimes transformed, can lead us to the state of harmony. Given the one of the focuses of yoga is to help us to distinguish between the unreal mm -hmm. um, and, and the real, and mm -hmm. presumably the harmony and balance has something to tell us about about whether we're living real lives or yeah. or being real seekers. It's, it's, it's a great one to continuously ask yourself, what is real, what is unreal? How do you perceive yourself? Do you perceive yourself as a physical being, just a physical body? In that case, you know that you're bound to suffer. Everything that you experience on this physical plane is going to change it's going to decay, we're going to experience loss. But if you experience yourself as a spiritual, you could say energy, as a spiritual being, then time will not influence your true inherent, you could say, permanent nature. And through the practice of yoga, we begin to, as you said, see what's real, what's unreal. And with time, I, I maybe turn it around and I see myself as as a spiritual energy being manifested through a physical body. 
and not the other way around. Or I just simply, I'm not just identify myself by what I see and can feel sense through the senses. Because I'm, if I'm always following the senses, I'm bound to suffer. Given what you said earlier, Colin, do you want to share with us what some of the symptoms or signs might be that we are not in harmony? If we come back to the definition we've given, we've given so far about harmony as a place where we feel whole and when we feel that we can work together, together, I guess an easy answer would see a place where you don't feel that it's your place anymore or that you feel off just mm -hmm. simply. I would say a place where you feel that you can't communicate since I, I feel that harmony is about communication and mm -hmm. about, about relationship. Feeling alone, feeling that you're disconnected, probably I would say are signs that, that there is a disharmony, whether it's inside yourself and that might be a connection with yourself or a relationship with yourself mm -hmm. or a relationship with a one-on-one -on -one relationship. The moment where you can't communicate anymore, there is this, this lack of communication is a is a good sign that it's there is a disharmony in the whole thing and an element that came to my mind as we were talking also is this idea that i i think that harmony elevates ourselves while balance is not necessarily because we can find balance on our own or harmony because it's it has this relationship aspect of it i think it it helps us to be elevated mm -hmm. and if we feel that we can't find that elevation in a relationship or in in any other context i guess it's it means that at best there is just a balanced relationship or a, a sort of balance but at worst it might be a sign that there is a, a disharmony between and maybe what you're describing is is what maria said before there there's a sort of there is a difference between balance and then the extra zing is the harmonious bit that makes it it's that extra something maria i remember very well from our last conversation that our spiritual practice um, and all of the good things we hope for and want to be are not going to stop bad things coming our way. So, I, you know, I know the answer to the question that storm and chaos is inevitable in our lives. Is thinking about harmony and our understanding of harmony, either musically or in life, is that a way are there, you know, is that a way to be able to calm storms, to be able to face chaos, to be able to organize chaos into something more harmonious? I think that, yes, absolutely. First of all, chaos and suffering are inevitable. It's one of, I think it's the first noble truth of Buddhism, in fact, that to be human is to suffer. And yeah. our goal is to be aware that we are suffering and then find these different ways that we can maybe add more harmony. I think that some of the causes of disharmony, like Colin was saying earlier, he talked a little bit about like these judging voices or this inner critic uh, and how we can be in relationship to these voices, which are really part of our memory, right? Things that we've heard in the past or things that we've grown up hearing from people in our lives or from our culture as a whole. And so how are we in relationship to these voices in our head, I suppose, and how can we seek to be a little bit more harmonious with those voices? I think that's one direction we can take this with the more inner landscape. Another thing I do want to bring up is like when I think of a musical piece and the complexity of the musical piece and mm -hmm. harmony in music, I, I feel that one of 
the goals of harmony is to create a context or create sort of a musical landscape or an emotion or a feeling. Uh, a melody is a melody kind of on its own. Uh, but when you add other notes around it in relationship, then that melody becomes a part of a harmony. And the harmony can convey different aspects of mood or, you know, different feelings. And I think that dissonance in music is an essential component of music and these tensions that arise within music that then release into harmony or not harmony, but release into this more pleasing aspect or consonance. I think, uh, you know, Robbie said earlier that we want to find harmony so that we can recognize it. I think that also we want to be able to recognize dissonance so that we can know harmony a little bit better and know those places where, okay, we are really out of balance right now, or things are feeling really tense. And then that moment where you find just the right thing to bring yourself back into balance and kind of that sigh of relief or, you know, ah, uh, like I, I am back in harmony with whatever relationship that was a little bit dissonant before. So I think, yeah, it's all just this idea of being a human being with all of you know, your personal complexity in the system of just being human, but then within like this larger complex system of being one of how many humans on this earth and however many that you are interacting with, it's it's um, important to, yeah, I'm going to go back to the awareness too, of being aware of how you are in relationship. When is there dissonance? And what is it that tips the scale that brings you back into harmony? I think life is sort of like a big complex symphony or perhaps complex symphonies are, you know, trying to mimic life in some way and giving and, us a way to describe life. Yeah. And complex symphonies, they have shade as well as light. And somehow when I listen to that, I still, I still hear some harmony. I still hear that things are as they are supposed to be even though from my perspective or the note that I'm playing or what I'm listening to doesn't exactly sit with me or isn't resolved straight away. I mean, that that's also a lovely thing from music is that in harmony, you can have this dissonance, which you keep going. And then eventually when it's resolved, usually by going up or down a tone or half a tone, that wonderful sense of, ah, oh, finally but what was happening before wasn't necessarily wrong mm -hmm. um and it's something that we have to go through and and there is a harmonious aspect to it so it's also just it's interesting to me that in the way i was told the sound bath or the the, the sound sound practice mm -hmm. it was also about having those succession of less harmonious sounds together played together or more tension whether it's with the gongs or with the balls we constantly go from like tension to release tension to release to try to bring the brain in a in in a state of of consciousness which is close to trance or outer states of consciousness mm -hmm. so it is through that through those harmonies disharmonies that we're gonna we, we help basically the the people to come to that place of harmony with themselves or clarity or whatever harmony can bring so i found that interesting so then it, it it is possible then to have a harmonious storm a harmonious difficult point in your life yeah absolutely and and something that just came to mind too is that you know when we're listening to a piece of music we do have this trust that we are going to be resolved that the piece is not going to end in a big dissonance that 
leaves us hanging in this chaos. And so I guess that is kind of a difference between a symphony and our life where, you know, if we're caught in these elements of human suffering, we don't have that trust, perhaps that things are going to resolve in the end or have this happy ending or or we will feel harmony. You know, I have certainly had moments of in my life where I've felt so wrapped up in disharmony that I didn't believe that harmony would ever exist again. And so I think that's where important tools of yoga can come in. Like we are deeper than our ego or this more shallow layer. There are ways that we can find trust that things are okay. They always have been okay. And we're just the small part of this big story. So and I, I think that's great. And it leads perfectly to to our next observation question to Colin, which is, you know, what practices in our yoga life can help us to help us to work through that 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 tension or that that element that that needs resolution finally, where you're saying dissonance and then harmony in your sound baths. What have you found in 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 yoga practice that can help you through that? In yoga you can you, you learn Ultimately, to first, we, we talked about it also, you gain awareness, whether it's about yourself or about your relationship with the world or other people, you tend to be less judgmental. So you, you probably gain a little bit detachment and not in a negative way, but you, you, you're able to take distance. I would put it more than, like that. I think it helps us to take distance and that can also can be as, as simple as in an, asana yoga class that you would you would feel that you're not part of the group or uh, you're not necessarily within the class as the moment you're practicing or you're failing in, in a balancing pose or whatever but yet you can still look around and if you succeed to go beyond the point of competition of like of self-judgment and like I'm, I'm a loser i can't hold this pose for more than two seconds if you keep working on that, there is a moment, and I hope we all experience that, that in a yoga class, you can suddenly see the whole class moving together. And as teachers, I think we you can see that sometimes also that there are classes that everybody works pretty well, and there are classes that are like, it is complete chaos. So like you'll have one person falling and then the other, and then you, you, and of course it used us to question yourself as a teacher also, am I missing something here? And I think that's, to me, that's one of an, an easy element that, that you can get from, from yoga. It's this reminder that we're part of something bigger, that it is possible to work together. It can help us individually and more doing an inner work to, to be less affected and to find that place of, of equanimity. Ultimately, if we, if we meditate, if we, again, it's not working all the time. But I think it, it can give us the tool, give us the tool to to accept that not everything is perfect all the time. That we can also, I mean, like we all hope when we find perfection or harmony, we would like it to last forever. But when it doesn't, then we can probably more easily accept that, come back to a place where we have to rebuild harmony in a way, re yep. refine links. And we've and we've talked about cycles um, before. Quickly, Robbie, is harmony something that you think about when you're preparing a class and when you're teaching a class? And um, how does that play out? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a super important um, factor, thinking about harmony. 
and those who want to become teachers, it's it's one of those topics that you need to study. I believe if you want to offer classes that help students to to regain harmony, and it's really the art of sequencing to understand postures, tools that can help us to bring that bring us to that state of balance. Just to give you an example, um, if I plan a class. Not all the time, but a lot of times, you know, people show up to practice because there's an imbalance. We talked about that a lot of times through John Tuga because there's an imbalance. So that's one of my basic assumptions that there is imbalance somewhere. Of course, you can't really generalize that everyone has, um, let's say, tension in the lower back. But I assume that, let's say it's Thursday today, a lot of us spend hours and hours sitting at the desk. So... I assume that a class around shoulder release would be nice. I'm trying to focus on postures, breath, breath work, and sometimes, of course, using images, affirmations, mantra, of course, sequencing that help us to build, you could say, balance. Uh, And a lot of times in order to create harmony and balance, we need to, as uh, Maria Colin mentioned earlier on, we need to create the opposite which is, you know, imbalance. Sometimes we challenge the body. We put, put ourselves into postures that look weird, awkward. Sometimes you create asymmetry. We stretch one side and then the other side. Sometimes you feel a bit really like out of balance, but a lot of times there's intelligence or I hope that when we do a class, there's intelligence behind sequencing. So we, we, we create that imbalance, tension, asymmetry on purpose and as we progress, we go through a journey. There are some ups and downs, you know, peaks, lows. And by the end of class, when you hit Shavasana and you went through all these ups and down cycles, symmetry, asymmetry, stretching front, back, up, down, also getting in touch with the, you know, the diagonal lines. I mean, it's, it's a huge topic. By the end of class, when you reach Shavasana, your mind will surrender, ideally. And then with that surrender, body breath, mind, everything will sink into that place we can call stillness. And that stillness will be a gateway maybe to that place we can call call inner harmony. In terms of building and maintaining or reestablishing inner harmony, do you have any tips, any examples, any techniques that you use in your own life to be able to do that? No, I think for sure, Shavasana and stillness as a gateway toward inner harmony has been sort of my gateway. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that I find stillness in my life and find time to rest and recharge for somebody like me that tends to be very work focused and very, you know, I'm putting a lot of myself or my energies in many places and uh, can forget often to bring some of that energy back in. Mm. And so practices like meditation or shavasana or walking in nature. Also for me, just the act of singing and chanting has brought a lot of inner harmony. If we take the concept of harmony as being this buzziness, this kind of warm, bright feeling, then chanting and singing to me is one of the best tools for creating that sort of buzzy feeling. And that can lead into feelings of more inner harmony, I think. I am so glad you've mentioned that because one of the one of my go-to practices, although it's not necessarily a strictly yogic practice, you know, I've put together a playlist of songs that I love 
um, songs that have real meaning, songs that are about life or yoga or whatever, but they're also uplifting or thought-provoking. And if there is disharmony in my life, I put that on. And five minutes later, you know, my soul, not only my soul is dancing, but I'm also literally dancing. And I, and, and I find that a wonderful practice because it's really accessible um, and simple. And of course, I'll go and meditate. And of course, I'll chant. And of course, I, I'm learning how to feel wonderful harmony from, from, chanting om in the right way and making different parts of me or what appears to be me vibrate so i'm 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 really very happy that you've said you know actual music and harmony music can help you find that that harmony internally do you have any tips for us about helping to create external harmony that may come from from your yoga practice i think it's sort of similar parts to the same, like it's either we're in relationship with our own inner landscape and our inner voices, or we're in relationship with, you know, other voices around us. And the goal is the same, perhaps, you know, you can certainly sing with others or play music with others and, and partake in kirtan. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back, I guess, to the concept of balance there too with the listening like knowing what the goal is and knowing what you're trying to achieve and when can i step back and do a little bit more listening in order to create more harmony and when can i when is it appropriate for my voice to be heard uh in order to contribute to that harmony harmony it's also because you are in relationship with somebody else i think it's uh, or with something outside of you it's um it's communication it's uh it's working on on your communication trying to understand better and um and uh, and listening listening to the to whether it's like verbal or nonverbal but it's uh it's to try to understand better that that complex relationship that can give harmony or not and i would say that it's at least something that's outside of only working on ourselves i think if we want to achieve harmony outside of ourselves I think it's about listening and communicating. Robbie? I would add maybe a couple of things for inner harmony. For me, that's, um, if you if you want to say the beginning, yeah, that's maybe the beginning for, for me, trying to recreate that inner harmony. We talked about nature, of course, that's a great one. Self-study, self-reflection. You can, of course, do it outdoors. You can sit down. You can use mantra work. You, there's so many great meditation tools and techniques out there. Something that really changed my life or the way I look at the world, myself and the universe is the science of Ayurveda. It's something that yogis, all of us, hopefully will discover one day because it brings, brings clarity to a lot of things in your life to understand how the microcosm and how the macrocosm sort of interact with each other, what are the building blocks of this universe, and how can we, on an individual level, influence these elements so that we can move towards a state of balance, if you want to use the word harmony. So for that, Ayurveda is, is, is a magical tool. And of course, part of Ayurveda is cooking, 
Colin loves cooking. You know, it's 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 a creative act. <laughs> Be in touch with the ingredients, nature. It's it's beautiful. I think we also need to become artists. Find something that that it's more like an artistic activity: painting, dance, cooking, singing. gardening, singing. I think these are these are great techniques. They really target different part of the brain, and 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 I think we need that. Other than that, of course, read, educate yourself. I also find it very important, especially these days, that you have a connection to, you could say, a, a sangha community. They have the support of others because you also need that mental support, mental harmony. And yogi seekers, spiritual practitioners, I believe it's also super important to have a connection with an advisor, mentor, if you want to use the word guru, someone who can um, show you hidden aspects of yourself and maybe help you to connect with that place in you that is forgotten and maybe touch those places, inspire you. I think it's, it's, it's so important. And maybe being vulnerable also. You reminded me about community. I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to thank our community of listeners who I hope are finding this harmonious. <laughs> um, and if they're not, they should let us know. Um, any final tips from you, Colin? One of the things that helped me or one of reflection that came to me one day is that our truth is not universal. And understanding that means that you can suddenly recreate connection with others because you don't necessarily believe that you're constantly right or that your truth is the, the ultimate one. So I would say that maybe just reflecting on that. Thank you to all three of our guests, Colin, Robbie, Maria, um, and thank you for listening. Goodbye.